De, de, de Colores Radio. De, de, de Colores Radio. Hello, welcome to De Colores Radio. This is episode 8. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and with me is my homie, Rafael Tamayo. Saludos. Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing? I know you had some uh, mad mocos last week. Eva? Uh, weather. Weather? I don't weather? even know what got you down, honestly. For me, it's so allergies. Much. Yes. Just life? Yeah, just life in general. I uh, Yes. But I'm good. But you're I'm feeling better. all right. I'm feeling all right. We had Chicano movie night this weekend, which Yippee! we will talk more about later. And now it's time for us to set our tone. That's right. We are translating our feelings in the best way we know how. Memes. It's time for me mood. My favorite part of the podcast. Is it really? Yeah. Are you telling us your uh, secrets? Yeah. I don't even... Uh, go ahead. Tell me your meme. <laughs> oh, there's so many, but I'm going to go with a Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. I should have seen this so, well, coming. Yeah, there's so many, and I, I really enjoy the show, if you can't tell. But um, there's a character... And sorry for the spoiler alerts, but I don't think you really... You're not I'm not passionate about it, so, yeah, so, so go for it. You can spoil yeah. it all. So there's there's um, a character. His name is Bran. He's one of the young. Oh, my brothers. God. Okay, there was a funny <laughs> meme I did see about that. Okay, go on. And so he's he's one of the Stark boys. Um, he's the crippled one. He's yeah. been crippled since day one. <laughs> yes. Literally. I saw the newest episode. I was like, still, bruh, you yes. haven't gotten up yet. Yes. And so he becomes what's called uh, a three-eyed raven. There's a, a name for the kind of, like, visions that he has. It characterizes what he is. That's so raven? I, <laughs> no, yeah, but that's what... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. But, um, but there's a meme where he's like... Uh, talking about next week's episode and he's like i've already seen it oh my god and, that's and so rude. I, yeah have you seen the one i was gonna say there's one maybe this is my me mood it's actually of young thug and they're like saying like oh bran i left oh i my family died for you whatever and he's like and and it's young thug like in a chair like this with like vanilla wafers eating just like i did i saw that that one. was probably my that favorite maybe too. that's my me mood honestly just chilling really funny what else can you do right now yeah. just kind of chill out because everything when you're a little bit afraid that your country might be attacked exactly just we need like take a, meter a break on honestly how how much the of the world is falling apart because i feel like we're always talking about how much it's like going to shit yeah. How do we gauge where the shit like, meter? Yeah, like what point are we at? Are we on? The I honestly brink don't of know. Complete? I honestly felt like this was a calmer week, if I'm being honest. Right? But then, you, even though did we you are getting meme? threats and such, In, um, fuck Jerry posted something where it was oh, like, good. "Remember when our biggest worry about North Korea was a movie that Seth Rogen? Oh my and god, Frank that's so and true. Yeah, and it's, it was like, yeah, it was a joke at one point. Uh, now we're like legit worried. Poor Guam. We'll yeah. get into that later as well. Whew. So there's a little bit of our me moods. Uh, before we jump into our first segment, I want to introduce our guest for this week. She actually, oh, excuse me. She actually did us the honor of being on our short panel discussion after watching Mi Familia at our Chicano movie night this past weekend. Her name is Brenda Loya, and she is a New Mexico native who recently moved here. We are going to talk about Chicano identity and some of her experiences in the last <coughs> couple of years, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Anything else on our end? Personal updates before we get into our first segment. No, I'm still, uh, I don't want to get sick, so I'm still fighting it. 
So if y'all have any, if anybody has any like remedies, home remedies. I mean, you know I do, but are I know, you but actually I try doing everything. them? Jason just tried to hand me a bottle of tahin. I don't know what I'm... Honestly? You want me to sniff a line of tahin, bro? What are your... We'll talk about your <laughs> symptoms okay. later. So now we are officially getting ready for El Juguito, the juice. I don't remember who it was, but they said they weren't a fan of our uh, juice sound effect. Yeah. And I'm sorry oh, to man, let you down. <laughs> I feel like it was Nuke, but I'm not sure. I don't think it was Nuke. But was pl- it? I feel like it was one of them. I really don't know. But please feel free to send me better sounding juice clips because they're not as easy to find online as you I might think. I think don't open the floodgates because they'll start sending you like OJ Simpson oh, clips. Oh, jeez. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, no. But <laughs> I mean, we did our best. So let's get into our first juicy topics. Woo. So I saw this quite a bit is the Chulita Vinyl Club situation that occurred in good old Austin, Texas. Yes. Um, basically, they were cut short from their set at a hotel, like, club area. <clears throat> um, and then they were like, why would you cut us short? Is it because we're playing Latin music, even though you had a Latin group Right. Scheduled, and you asked us to perform here, so you knew what you were getting into. Why would you cut it short? So I even watched the video that they recorded while they were kind of confronting the managers and such. Right. So props to them for handling it really, really well. Um, It was honestly kind of silly, in my opinion, because the guy sounded... You can tell it was because they were, you know, Latina women doing their thing. Right. But their, like, attempt at defending it was so, like, stupid. I was just like, what are y'all doing? You don't even have... I mean, obviously, there's not a valid reason, but... And there's always... I mean, there's always, like, the trouble of being able to effectively communicate on both sides, like, an actual issue like this. So... I'm not going to say I'm not as Austin as Pat. Pat is the most Austin Austin of all of the colores. But I will say that with my experience in Austin, um, I'm not completely surprised. I'm not shocked at all. I don't even enjoy Austin very much because it's so. No, yeah, but like I I know, you know, I have friends and I have I know people that have DJed and and have run into the same situation. So in Austin, uh, in Austin and outside of Austin. And it just it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, as 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 a manager or as a venue, like booking manager or booking agent, whatever it is, like, you know, somebody named Chulita Vinyl Club (laughs) is going to come in and do a set. You're probably going to you're going to get songs about Chulitas. Exactly. And so cutting cutting the set short, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I think it's at the just end, obnoxiously rude, yeah. and and y'all are probably gonna <clears throat> lose business, and with reason. And the re- I think I was more irritated with how they were reacting, yeah, and trying to act like it wasn't discriminatory in any sense. Right. They were just like, oh, and they he even to lied to tell it, them, yeah. and lied and told them that he was the manager. And uh-huh. so I'm like, oh, that's how you know you're bullshitting. It's yeah. just you're making up stuff and you're being put on the spot now. Yeah. So I'm glad that they're getting this hot heat for it because they need to you shouldn't be doing that they had 10 minutes left on the set what was the point of that you look sloppy yeah you look dusty so (laughs) i don't even remember the name of that uh hotel but let's not support it i believe it's upstairs at caroline something along those lines we're actually hopefully working on maybe getting truly the vinyl club to dallas yes soon enough so they can see what we're about we're a little more supportive we will of course we We will let your music play at very least And just a quick, uh, oh gosh, another Game of Thrones reference is going to come up. 
course. If I shame the Fort Worth shame. mayor. Shame. <laughs> shame on the Fort Worth mayor for not uh, joining in on making Fort Worth a sanctuary city. It's, I believe, one of the only major cities that is not joining behind the law, as far as I know right now. Um, it's so frustrating. It really is this, this complex metroplex that we live in because there's tons of us here you have yeah. every reason to support us when you know we're helping run your city yeah we're literally building your roads doing everything to function and you can't even support us of course not but i mean i can't say i was that surprised because fort worth voted very heavy for trump yeah. uh even i think in the pre the what are they called the early polls um but it's and still it's, so what, unfortunate, what and United Fort Worth was really trying to push for this, and it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating to live in a state when you, like, know that, if not you, your ancestors were here and built this, you know, country, and you still are getting spit in the face, yeah. essentially, because they won't we, even we back ex- your family. I mean, we we sh- we. We are right and we're justified in expecting better of our leaders, regardless of whether or not we agree with the decisions that the people that lead this state and our cities and our country like make. If even if we don't agree with them, we have to take them as our leaders because, you know, they're appointed, whatever, right. even however. But like what gets me so angry is like, you know, the, the language that is used and, you know, the discriminatory actions that are taken the semantics like all of this stuff just perpetuates the hate that people that aren't really involved with the decision making use to fuel something that causes divisions between a community like whether you like us or not we're still going to live together we're Mm -hmm. still here we ain't going nowhere so the best thing to do is find a way to make it a little more harmonious rather than dwell on the fact that you think because our political leaders said something that it justifies your blind hate for someone it's it's scary. Everybody needs to be careful because I've been hearing a Seriously. lot about like uh, stops for checking IDs even yeah. and stuff in Arlington. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is really happening up the street. Like, this is terrifying. So I just I don't even at this point, it's just like I hope our collective can bring you some sort of either information or joy or something to not yeah. not give up hope and keep fighting because this is not this is not what this country is supposed to be about. Nope. So hopefully we're, oh gosh, there's a lot of rough news today. Always. Hopefully it'll be over soon. Um, I was very upset with this situation <clears throat> that occurred. I believe it was probably almost two weeks ago now. Um, Lil Duval. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm laughing at the face you're making. Because <laughs> I don't even know how you're getting credit for anything you're doing because nobody actually cares about you, but yeah. you're making yourself relevant by saying obnoxious, yeah. ignorant things that are literally killing people, essentially. Um, and it's not funny. And he thinks he's <clears throat> a comedian. And it's really embarrassing because nobody, I don't know, it's very frustrating. Um, when you're seeing, and I get frustrated because all this news always comes out after we record, and I'm like, why didn't this come out before we recorded? Yeah. But I think it was right shortly after that Trump tweeted the military ban situation, right. which was after we last recorded, and I was like, Ugh! right. And then this came out a few days later, and I was like, y'all are really going to laugh at trans people and not realize that we are attacking them? And I say we are because the majority of people don't, 
care to actually understand. They rather laugh with, you know, right. the Breakfast Club or whoever. I can laugh at Lil Duval because yeah. you're Yeah, and if you ashamed. watched or if you heard, it was different. Like, Envy and Charlemagne's. Uh, and I've never been a fan. I honestly, I'm about to, maybe they'll blackmail me and I'll never get a job <laughs> in, like, New York or something. Not blackmail. What's blacklist? But I don't personally, I've never been crazy about them as interviewers. I just think they're in NYC and they have the hip hop game there. So they're able to get everybody and, you know, because that's whatever. But. And Drake sent Charlemagne <laughs> some champagne. Oh, God. I don't, I've never liked Charlemagne. He's always been irritating. But I've always had problems with them as interviewers because mm -hmm. Charlemagne is like, to me, he's like a Trump where he just says things that are like triggering they're gonna get attention because he's asking the crap that nobody wants to say because they're professionals right. and he's not right. and he anyways so he made he made Lil Duval he asked Lil Duval about a uh, trans woman who was recently on the show Janet Mock who right. I'm a big fan of and Janet Mock was just on the show like it's beyond rude to to bring this person up and then ask him what his thoughts are on this person but he essentially equates this person to if he found out that they were used to be a man quote unquote or something like that uh that he would murder them and i'm like how do you say that and how yeah. do y'all laugh at it and how do you keep asking him these things without seeing how ridiculous y'all sound yeah so we're hoping to get uh some trans people in the community on this show soon because obviously we don't know these experiences and can't really speak on them but that's it's not funny to make fun of trans people when they're being murdered yeah. whether you understand them or not you you should not be joking about murdering them and you do not understand the trans identity and if you do not understand it you need to educate yourself on the trans right. identity because we need to do better when these people are being murdered especially trans women of color so not funny also he tweeted something a few days later about some woman that came out um, kind of fat shaming her. And as soon as you start fat shaming, game over for your girl because yeah. I already didn't like you, but shut like the I hell said, up. Nail in the coffin. Because why? Why are you doing this? And yeah. people go with it. So it's just like ugh, people like him are literally the worst humans, in my opinion, because they think they're being harmless or whatever. They think they're being funny and they're, they're complicit in these actions that are happening, these hate crimes or this mm -hmm. ugly negativity in the world. So screw them. And educate yourself, people, because we should not shame anyone. Let people do their own life and stop being horrible. But we will shame him because <laughs> shame. All that, shame. all that shame today. Shame. Um, quick thing <laughs> that I saw on Facebook, I think you saw as well, was the "Would Trump let you immigrate to America?" test, which is um, hysterical. I definitely didn't make it. I was a little bit sad. I was like, maybe, maybe this bachelor <laughs> degree y'all made me go get so I could educate myself would, would let me be in here. Nope. I wasn't a noble, noble prize winner. I was not above a million dollars in my profits. Yeah. So it's nearly impossible if his new regulations pass. I wonder if his wife would have. Oh my God, that's that so true. I'm sure, I'm sure the internet. I mean, with her been... money, I guess oh, technically she might have because that's all that matters in this country, <clears throat> right? Money, yay! So that was kind of a funny little joke. The time time dot com did that. Check it out if you want to see if you would be able to immigrate to this country, which is ridiculous. And we briefly mentioned it earlier already. Is the North Korean threats? Everybody's talking about it. We're all a little bit afraid for our lives. 
Um, which is sad that this is like a reoccurring topic. Yeah. But of course, now our leader is like giving into this fire. Oh, I just got like chills. You, you said our leader. Ugh, Jesus. And it, and it's a I take it back. I'm yeah. so sorry, God. Please forgive me. Because <laughs> I never say that. The hot, che- not hot Cheeto. He's not a hot Cheeto. <laughs> He's a regular crusty cheese puff in charge. I wonder what's really going on, though. Because I feel like if they're trying to keep us afraid, me personally. I've been afraid, if I'm being honest. No, since... you know, but I mean, you know how I love naps, but I stay woke. Stop. So Why I'm wondering always like, come up? what's really going on. I mean, what's there's FBI <laughs> investigating his uh, his campaign organizer or oh, whatever. Yeah. So they always like to overshadow the shit they're hiding under the rug. Yeah. So that could possibly be like part of it. USA would be a cool mini series, like a few decades from now. You know? Depends on who's producing it. HBO? But Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> HBO is also frustrating because the... Wait, it's the Game of... Yes, yeah. Confederate. Game of Thrones guys, right? Yeah. Which I think people should technically be... Um, what's the word? Pro, not boycotting. I don't think they're racist. I just think they don't like black people. Oh, shut up. They're so dumb. It's so... And then yeah. the even... We're going to get into Game of Thrones later as well. We'll That's go. We'll come back to this. HBO guys. Some... I think hopefully record. to wrap up our sad news for today is... Um, Maria Elena Salinas is leaving. Who is that? Come on now. Don't, don't be Pat. <laughs> you uh, know how to call, call sorry, Pat out. It's because I knew her when I saw her face. I just no. didn't okay. know, recognize who she it's was. A shame. Okay, She's Pat. literally like the shame. biggest Latina journalist, I would say. Pretty much. There's, I mean, I like Maria Anijosa a lot, but I know this person. My brother will first. be mad if I don't name drop Jackie, the weather girl. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. He said, they have to like, make the weather are you girls. Not gonna, yeah, he's like, how are you not going to mention? Um, he literally, that's all the Spanish he gets. From the weather lady? Yeah, that's it. Anyways, she's leaving Univision, which is a, a huge deal. She's really mm-hmm. vital and, and thanks to her for all her work. I'm I've heard she is doing a new show kind yeah. of like her own thing, which is good for her. She that's said, cool. I preach to young kids to follow their dreams. Why I should be doing it too. And I was like, <laughs> you should girl, leave us in our time of need. It's fine. We'll be fine. We have hot his still. We're good. So thank you to her for all her hard work for our community. Wait, hot has gone. No, Jorge? he's there. Oh, he, Calm we still, down. We still have, oh my God. I'm saying Stop. luckily we still have him. I don't him. need this kind of. He's not, le- <laughs> he's not allowed to leave. <laughs> he's not. He better not. He ain't going oh nowhere. Oh my, can you imagine when he leaves that we lost them both? And then it's like, I don't even know. But too, right? Yes, but that's not for like our community. It's different. Anyways, I am very grateful for her because she's done a lot of amazing work. People are upset on the internet. I personally, honestly, I'm usually one of them, so I can't even talk. Uh, (laughs) Selena Gomez is going to be in a Woody Allen film. Hmm. I honestly, Selena Gomez is a hometown girl for me. She's from my city. From where is that? That is Is the Grand Prairie, Texas. Oh, you're from, I didn't. Oh, hush, you knew this. (laughs) So people are upset because she's going to be in a Woody Allen film. That sounds to a lot of people probably like, what's the deal? What's wrong? Woody Allen is, um, as you've heard me vent about many men on this show, I thanks yes. for tuning in, men, after I completely <laughs> trash y'all very often. Um, if they're smart, they'll take it. And, and, they'll and understand. Exactly. Woody Allen is hot garbage, in case you didn't know. He basically, um, 
I don't know how to say this. I don't want to get into his full case. He's just garbage. Just do your quick history about his kids. And then you'll be like, he married who? Yeah. And then you're like, what? So yeah. it's just, he's garbage. You know, the shitty part about all of that is that he's still accepted. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a difference with whiteness, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, we could we could do an entirely, like, uh, an privilege. episode to just cover that. Yeah. But oh, absolutely. Let's not go there. Once I learned all about that, and I was like a little kid in film school, and I was like, oh, my God, why did you do that? It ruined all the movies for me. But there's a lot of those, like, artists that get away with it and they get away with you know taking advantage of young women and then we still are okay with them because they make great art and it's like nah fam um but i'm not this is gonna sound bad i'm not surprised by selena gomez doing this because even when she gets called out for like black lives matter and stuff like that she's usually like um we should be doing other stuff i'm like girl your last name's gomez come on (laughs) like Rep us a little bit. Like, shut up your Taylor Swift side and just, like, rep your last name. Rep your city a little bit. Like, people are dying out here. But she's working with Woody Allen. I really can't say I'm that shocked because whenever uh, stars are trying to get up there, they want to work with people who, you know, yeah. are up there. But yeah, low-key, we should have known she wasn't good news because she's a Spurs fan, not a Mavs fan. Just that is saying. weird. Well, I have well, seen her with Cowboys jerseys, well, though. I've seen her in Spurs jerseys well, and at a Spurs game. No hate because I this, love Popovich. No, but no, I'm not. I So I'm going to share one of my many unpopular opinions right now. Are you now. a Spurs fan? He Calm has more down, unpopular opinions coming soon. I, I do, but I am a Mavs fan. I am a Mavs fan. But I lived in San Antonio for several years. Boo. And... You know, because the hood You're played a lot drink. of basketball. I played a lot of basketball, and then my brothers taught me a lot about the fundamentals. You can't hate on the Spurs. I don't hate them. And I do. Tim Duncan, but one of the greatest. Popovich, you got to respect. This is about Selena Pop- Gomez, Popovich. you guys. Sorry, yes. I'm just saying she's Sorry. from Dallas, and she's that is she's weird. She's not from Dallas. She's from Grand Prairie. Oh, so what are you saying about me? I'm doing this whole show for Dallas. <laughs> well, you're from Dallas. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not like. I'm saying Anyways, that about she's doing the Woody Allen choosing. film. Okay, she should have already been born into it, and she's not. Oh. She's talking about the Mavs fan thing. It sounded yeah. like she was doing well. something else. Anyways, <laughs> Selena Gomez, good luck in your Woody Allen film. They've all been flopping anyway since we they brought have. this stuff back to light, so I really don't know why you're doing this, but I guess you wanted to be his next muse because that's what he does. Cowboys preseason. Yes. Not my best transition, but I thought that would be uh, they need bold no enough. transition. The Cowboys preseason, I didn't really know what the first game, I don't know, preseason's always like, whatever, and then I was yeah. actually surprised. Yeah. So I, Anytime there's football on, and so this might be an unpopular opinion because a lot of people are trying to boycott the NFL and everything happening with Honestly, I, I support stuff. that fully. Yeah, no, I get it. Like, I understand, but as a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, I... I like, there's no way around that much. And so as much as I disagree with some of the things that are happening in the league, I'm really excited this to see Texas players. This is Texas and you're an animal I mean, and we're it's, addicted it's, to it. Yes, <laughs> it's Cowboys Nation. And you can't, like, sit there and hate on someone like Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is, like, a legit stand-up guy. Like, he's family-oriented. He won't take a knee, though. He... <laughs> <laughs> is that a Game of Thrones reference? It is. Like when no, it's Daenerys not. Daenerys Jon Snow to bend the knee? What? You Boom. lost me at Game of Thrones. I know. I know. Go ahead. No, I know, but but still, like you know, it's it's is with everything that's going on, it's still difficult for me to say I'm gonna boycott the NFL and not be a Dallas Cowboys fan. And then it's really difficult when you have someone like Dak Prescott as the leader of of the team. 
as the as the quarterback. You can still be like, I'm a Cowboys fan, but the NFL sucks, and that's me. Yeah, mm. so that's yeah. I, like honestly, after all the stuff that happened with Adrian Peterson, and then mm. what's the other guy that had like the domestic assault charges that had like guns that he like beat his girlfriend, yeah, fiance that played for the Cowboys. Yeah. I was like, after that, I was like, nope, I do not. And that's somebody like I wanted to work in sports, and I still was like, nope, turned off by it. Which, yeah. by the way, Spike Lee's having a protest on August twenty fourth at the NFL headquarters in New York against the Colin Kaepernick thing. So I'm going to try and make uh, it. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's crazy how the, the owner, like, completely... The Ravens were considering signing right, Colin Kaepernick. Right, but they got Cutler, right? No, 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 no. Cutler went to, Cutler went to Miami. Chingao, I don't know sports but, that well. No, but the Ravens were going to sign Colin Kaepernick, and okay. so they didn't. But when they were considering him, it came out that the owner completely said, like, didn't even look at why he was being considered and said, no, this isn't going to happen. So it was blocked. Oh, hell so it was no. like the owners didn't even care, you know, whether or not he would have been a good fit for the team. It was like, no, I know what's involved with considering someone like Colin Kaepernick. So I'm going to just say no. So, well, you know what? F them all. I like Kaepernick a lot and I follow him on Instagram now. I like Colin Kaepernick, too. But he I mean, I, I, I want him to get signed just so that he can do his thing. But in my, in my opinion, he's not the best quarterback. I personally <laughs> don't even care about that. I just want him to keep doing what he's doing because he yeah. took this crap and is making it a full fledged right, no, thing. Yeah. He has a boys oh, camp. Sure. He's doing amazing yeah. work. And I'm yeah. like, do your thing, honestly, because that work is honestly more important than whatever football money you're going to get because you're changing lives in a different way than if you were just watching a damn right. game every Sunday. Yeah. Anyways, now we can finally talk about the thing that has been brought up way too many times already today, which is Game of Thrones. What? And Insecure. Just quick (laughs) HBO recaps. Shout out to Jessica for giving me her HBO Now password and being a good friend on someone who never gave me things. I gave you my HBO Go password. You didn't. I didn't? No. Well, I gave I, I gave you the Jay-Z album. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Good job. Great friendship here. Game of Thrones. I watched this episode... Because someone around me was watching it. And I was actually impressed. That is so, like, whatever. You're, I didn't like, go. like, so hair flip. I'm done. Whatever. Because I'm, I'm honestly. Someone around me was watching it. Listen so here. I stumbled it upon. It was actually impressive, though. Because I watched up until the second season. I'm just not into those types of shows that are, like, very, like, medieval and downtown Abbey-ish. Like, they bore me. <laughs> I want to go to sleep. Get me into modern society. Like, okay. that's just how I am. But I was impressed with this episode. I was yeah. like. Hey, what do you think my favorite part was? I think uh, it's everybody's favorite part. It's your if it's not your favorite part, like why are you even watching the show? My well, I'm I'm invested. Oh, you are. My favorite part was when Arya comes back and she likes. Oh my god, I actually really like that too. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it was very sweet. And she's like fighting like a yeah, total like, badass. Who taught you how to do that? No one. She's like I did myself. <laughs> um, the dragons. Well, no one. It's, it's what she had learned. The dr- oh, so I don't even know all that. But yeah, the dragons <clears throat> were amazing oh yeah i mean you know that's one of my nicknames right like i go i by, actually I, I do know that dragon. unfortunately yeah so um but that scene like my jaw was like on the floor it's pretty dope right i was like yeah. oh shit so that's we hope we didn't spoil too much i think that was pretty yeah clean spoiler alert yeah Why too late say that um insecure did you watch it um yes i need you to stop acting like you're the number one fan when you I just am, started I'm, watching are it. you serious i've been watching insecure since, since like two she, weeks ago since she was on youtube come on you're making fun of me i was watching isa before she was cool okay i actually <laughs> was okay 
anyways. No, thank you for thank like I'm glad this the This episode is probably my favorite I'm, one so far. I really liked her character <clears throat> development because we were able to see like her fun quirky side that yeah, we haven't seen where exactly. she's just herself and she's oh she's making out with someone but she's laughing because this yeah. is weird and yeah. it's like oh my god this is real like you do this when you're yeah. like and shout out to Isa for getting her charger back no, and you, didn't go down return. <laughs> you didn't go down to the so return funny. of charger we got you it's all good she everybody like, <laughs> knew everybody knew <laughs> she got two things she didn't just get the charger she True. got her fix and she got a charger <laughs> she's set for life now she can go on um also shout out to Ta- tasha I was about oh, to say yeah. something else. Ooh, that line was, that was the real. line of the episode. Thank yeah. you, because yeah. uh, lots <clears throat> of dudes are crappy, and she called him out and said, you you think you're a nice dude. And I'm like, yeah. that's at every dude I've ever talked to in my life. That's yeah. for you, because that's the truth. Renewed for season three, y'all. Oh, yeah. Really? It is. Yeah, it's renewed. They oh, renewed cool. it. I already they knew that, though. This is also just a quick thing I thought was kind of cool. Maybe uh, WNBA is going to be included on NBA Live, which I know NBA Live is not as popping as it used to be. Yeah, but I thought that was really cool having that option to like. Yeah, no, it is cool. Be a woman baller. Um, Should we get it, Eva? Should I get it? Honestly, maybe I might be down. I might be able to throw some threes with my O button on the PlayStation. You sound like super hip. No, because we used to be obsessed. I used to be obsessed, like for real. Like we had it on PlayStation. Although I want to do like a case study on why NBA Live got lame and then Two K got big. Like, where did that transfer happen? I know they stopped making NBA Lives, and is that just when? Yeah, NBA Live came back like what two years ago? Just recently, because Two K was taking over. Because it was with EA, and then EA cut it off, and then when I I just think it's interesting because it's been like I stopped playing. Uh, I was NBA Jam. You, NBA you Jam. would be. That one you are an NBA Jam. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Jeez. I actually transitioning transitioning. I meant to bring one of these for us <clears throat> to try, and you I didn't? didn't get to. I kind of passed the this place called Starbucks. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like no, kind of a big deal. They like serve coffee occasionally. Really? It's pretty neat. I should check um, it out. Is there one in Oak Cliff? <laughs> yes, Cockrell Hill. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I've never seen Good for Oak Cliff, honestly. Yeah. They're like, we don't need Starbucks. They we don't. make our all, own there's coffee. There's all kinds of coffee there's shops. A lot they don't of need, they don't so there's a new Orchata Frappuccino. If or, I, if they would have made this in 05 when I thought fraps were the coolest thing in America, <laughs> I would be all over it. I would have probably already had like five. But as an adult, I'm like, what are you doing? Are you going to give me a free one because I'm brown? No. Trying to get in on that on that brown dollar. I heard it didn't really taste like gorchata at all. No. Which I can't say I'm surprised because it's Starbucks. Is but it? I I'm might give it a try. Frap! No, you didn't. <laughs> yes. Have you done that before? Is that a joke Never. you made? I, that I was actually kind of impressive. Was it? I'll give you. it to Thank you. Thank you. High five. Points for Frappuccino jokes. <laughs> it's um, not as good as the one from Coco. Yes. I, was, uh, I think it was... Um, Yolissima that said that on oh, Facebook. Yeah. She was like, it ain't Coco Andres, though, which dirty they sold at Chicano Movie Night. Which they sure did, cousin. Dirty, <laughs> dirty, or, dirty Orchata. Yeah. Wow. Shout out to Mondo for getting me a dirty, dirty Orchata. Ooh. Ooh. Orchata. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> what, are you still talking it? about a drink? It had Bailey's in it. <laughs> oh, oh He I mean. gave you that here? Yeah. And he didn't get <laughs> me one? I was at work. I Why mean, didn't we during get work. Any? I'm just kidding. He didn't. Oh, that's you're <laughs> lying now. I'm not. I'm. Why would I? I was sick. Okay, why well, would I drink? There is Mondo, you have to give us all that now because it sounds really good. Yeah. We can mix it with the rum chata. 
Ooh. Rum chata. That's actually kind of good. Is it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Rum chata. Or as they call it, rum chata. Rum chata. That, okay, now I know what you're talking about. I got Anyways. It. He's like, I have had that. Let us know if you've tried this drink and you like it. I'm kind of curious. I might go get one eventually. Now we can get to something that is quite problematic. Ooh. I don't know if I should speak on this. <laughs> Shut you. Gonna... I actually need to put you on blast. I've heard this a few times now that you came out with your truth that we'd all, we didn't know you'd been hiding this. I wasn't hiding it. I just, I was never like, I never got mad excited about it. So I figured like. I'm still offended. I don't even know why you keep going no, right I... now. <laughs> so before we get into that dilemma, three Latinas are trying to give conchas a national holiday. Or day, not holiday. <laughs> Everybody take off work and eat a concha. <laughs> uh, it's a campaign on change.org, which is <clears throat> urging the California governor to recognize December 8th as National Concha Day. They're doing this petition. I need to sign it. I'm down. Why not do your concha thing? Have you signed the petition? I haven't. Why is that? Because I'm doing it right now. You're a liar. You're a filthy liar. I'm now not come lying. and tell just, your truth. I'm telling a, an alternative truth. No. Does that work? No. Nope. <laughs> I haven't. I didn't tell the know. people. Tell the people what you told me the <clears throat> other day when our friendship. Because ended. I think conchas are overrated. <laughs> Dramatic. I'm sorry, but I do think they are. I'm Team Empanada. Shout out to Yoli again. Um, I'm Team Empanada. I don't think I'm we sorry. have to compete the breads, though. We don't. I think we don't. Conchas are just key they're just that they're just that image of happiness no i get it i'm behind what it represents i just think they're not that good you have to think about what they stand for not the flavors i know because i i agree there are some better tasting breads yes but a damn concha with some abuelita hot chocolate on a cold ass day it's good but it's not like strawberry empanada good it's not like a little marranito good it's not ojarasca good is it beautiful and colorful and does it have the your ancestors ashes in it (laughs) okay (laughs) sorry does that sound weird and hard (laughs) no but really i i understand what you mean by saying they're overrated but what are you solving by saying that you're tearing the latino community apart i just wish we could have I you wish I'm, we could have what? Did we like we should have had like a huge meeting like we have to go with conchas? No, we we're going with conchas. <laughs> I know, I know, but with I'm, every reason. I'm, I'm Shout with, out to I'm these women us. doing this because good for you. I'm a concha with us. day sounds amazing. I'm with us. So I just why are you tearing us apart? I I I just won't be enjoying conchas. A good with, fresh concha is like Thank you, God. Let me go to church and no, say and hi to the Virgin because and it's then so it, good. Todo, you I like, know. You make a mess. It might be. Pieces. What is worse? We should see what makes more mess a masapan or a oh concha. Oh, my God. No, yeah. You kidding me? <laughs> just all the sweet, literal Seriously. sugar just everywhere. I. Anyways, I don't know how we're still friends after that. You, team Empanada, I'm sorry. How do you. To me, they're just so different. I can't compare those two. How are they so different? They have sugar. I'm just not They're that bread. big on empanadas, probably. Oh my God. Don't act like Stop that's the, the same thing. Stop the Stop. press. What press is? <laughs> like, al dia? <laughs> the one so Latino is, press? Did we, just, did we just create Team Empanada versus Team Concha right now? I just don't think those two compare. Right. Team They're just Empanada so will body slam a Concha out of existence. I don't know why I'm not that big on empanadas, though. I, 
I don't mm. know. Maybe my mom just, you know, shocked. listen, when your mom goes to get the bread, she brings like her faves, right? Like you, you're like, oh, yeah, I know. Like and she brings your favorite ear. Mine's, yeah, my favorite's the ear. Or she would oh, bring some ear. churros. And then I'd be like, Maranitos. yes. Yeah, we already mm. said that. But that late pass, late pass. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, you get your assorted. My mom never brought empanadas so like oh uh, okay that's what i'm saying like and then I, and so and so then i like strawberry empanadas which are hard to find of course you're like difficult. you you get cajeta or, or you know i like meat filled empanadas you would food stop don't make it nasty <laughs> i didn't make it food. nasty you I, did no, you but made it no because you went and said that you didn't like empanadas but then you're like oh but i do like empanadas. i don't like dislike them but i was explaining why my history has not been that strong with them okay. because my mother is, is your not- history against empanadas as strong as my history against conchas no i don't hate anything that much because i don't want to divide the latino culture what? and their breads oh man now i feel like a complete like see you're stutter- for nothing we need to unite now is the time <laughs> okay, to unite you know as a country Fine. it's like trying to compare like a pupusa to a gordita like well, those no. are pretty similar i mean but I would still, no, I'm still no. like, But they no. are very different. Like, I would still choose a pupusa. No, what you're, no, would, I'm saying. Ooh, this I'm, is about to start a fight in What here. did she say? <laughs> she said a pupusa. Of course she would, because that's Pat. And no, that argument isn't, mean? because a pupusa is like, like, cool right Our now. Our guest Brenda's here. Are Feel free yeah, to oh chime in. Yes, Don't Brenda, hold back. Please. This is becoming an argument. Once pupusas are like everywhere, Pat's going to be like, I don't no, like them anymore. Like, don't bring me into this. Yeah. So no, we, no, we, don't try. Pupusas uh-uh. are really no, good, though. That are, they are good, but that argument of pupusas versus gorditas isn't like having a discussion about Why is it not? Somebody asked me that the other day. I feel I like, like it's a fair discussion. Why not. is it not? We're, I'm talking about like... They're these both, are both like masa-based meals. No, and I'm we're talking about like unity. And we were talking about <laughs> like... This is too serious. The, no, yeah, we're going to go off on a completely different tangent. But I felt like what we were talking about was based in our history as Mexican-Americans. <laughs> and this so is now, so serious. No, it but is. Empanada, empanada no, is like I'm just saying, Pat, like, you're trying to twist it into okay, something go on, that it's go on. not. Pat, you were supposed to be like audio engineer. You should be yes. starting fights. <laughs> yes. You're comparing apples to pizza. I don't think it's that, that far is off. Too is it not? I it's like really it's not. Is it not? I mean, it is. Wait, is what? It? Now I'm getting confused. If is we, it? Anyways, well, they would probably agree with me. Okay. Okay. Mm. We, if we ask the people in Austin, they would agree with Pat. Anyways, <laughs> conchas. I don't think conchas are overrated. I think they're accurately rated. They just get the most love. Well, they're probably, honestly, let's think about it. They're probably the cheap, one of the cheaper breads. We'll agree to right? disagree. I feel like if they're cheaper, my mom's going to get five of those and like one of each other one that's a little more expensive. I don't know. That's what I would do also. I believe you get what you pay for. Get out. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> great for those women doing the concha <laughs> petition. I'm sorry we will sign comment. it soon. Hopefully we don't have much division in our community over this. I'll sign it now. This, uh, <clears throat> this, this here dilemma. Now we can jump to our interview. Finally, in the studio with the De Colores Collective, we are welcoming Brenda Loya. (laughs) Daughter of Mexican immigrants, Brenda was born and raised in New Mexico. She is deeply invested in being an agent of social change and being a progressive leader for underserved and underrepresented communities. Brenda is the district director of the Health Careers Resource Center for Dallas Community College District. 
Previously, Brenda was a climate and health organizer in D.C. and Maryland, where she prepared health professionals to address issues related to climate change and public health. In addition, as a media associate at the AFL-CIO in Washington, D.C., she worked to carry the voice of all working families to advance social and economic justice. As first-generation American (coughs) and first in her family to graduate from college, she continuously explores issues of social and cultural formation of race, class, and ethnicity. As an undergrad at the University of New Mexico, she studied abroad in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and Cuernavaca. Did I say that? Cuernavaca. 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 Jesus Christ, why is that so hard for me to say? Sorry. <laughs> and Veracruz, Mexico, exploring <clears throat> indigenismo. I practice it because I know how to say it. The African presence in Mexico and Chicano humor. Brenda graduated with honors with a Bachelor of Arts in Latin American Studies and Chemistry. Wow, everybody, welcome Amazing. Brenda Loya. Thank you for being with us here at The Colores Radio. I could barely cut out any of your bio because it's so impressive. Seriously. There's so much in there, in, in there that we could cover and need to cover, especially as Latinos or Latinx, sorry. Let's start from the beginning. How was your upbringing in New Mexico with immigrant parents? First, thank you for having me, and I did come prepared with my concha t-shirt. Oh, my God, you should have worn it. Brenda. Um, (laughs) We know what side you're on. She's with the right side. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us. I'll I'll drop the empanada one, and I'll make an empanada. Ew, that's not going to look good. It's just going to be like little. This is beautiful and colorful. That's why we like them so much. You're right. No, you're right. Y'all win. I, I do <laughs> love empanadas. Being an Argentina, that is where I discovered empanadas filled with carne and Ooh. olives. And I was mm. so impressed. Mm. I'm hungry as See? heck. Unfortunately, I'm... I've recently become a vegetarian. So those are long oh, history You now, could probably do some with, the yeah. with some uh, I'm sure alternative, alternative meats. Does that sound right? Alternative meats? Is that yeah. how you say it? I just, I'm careful now about saying alternative anything because of... He's ruining everything. Right. It's like... We can't even on. speak words now without yeah. fearing them. I can't say Anyways, fury. thank you so much for being here. I know I rushed into the question because I'm excited to talk to you. But... How was your upbringing in New Mexico? Thank you. Well, again, thank you for having me. In in New Mexico, you know, New Mexico is an interesting state. Has anybody visited New Mexico at the table? Yes. Really? Oh. Okay. Yes. Both of you have? Yes. I went to I went to Roswell okay. and I went to Ridoso. Okay. I went to the White Sands. I really loved Roswell. I loved the like Mexican restaurants I had there. Mm-hmm. I went to a paleteria almost every day. <laughs> like I became friends with the owners and I don't know. I really love the Mexican so food there. So was this like a touristy trip? It sounds like you hit all the main touristy spots. Yeah, my mom and I just did like a really quick weekend trip. But we weren't expecting that much from New Mexico. And we really liked it. Oh, like okay. I like we both were like, we would be like, rude. My state yeah. rocks. Well, <laughs> no, because I, I just, I always, like nobody really talks about New Mexico that I much. Agree. All I ever knew we really was, don't. was like Breaking Bad, Albuquerque. <laughs> so originally. And like, you have a chemistry uh <laughs> situation so i was like breaking bad twice (laughs) (laughs) so like that was like literally one of the places i wanted to go visit because of it but then we went to roswell and i was like oh that'll be cool like the little ufo stuff but i ended up liking more of the like mexican food than i did like the roswell the like alien stuff that's why i was like well they had alien food there was a lot of well, alien themed things. Roswell has this whole alien story right. going there. So, it's Do you believe in aliens? 
You know, that's an interesting question. Um, my dad is an evolutionist. Even wow. Though he's like a super Mexicano. Yeah, man. I'm like, I've wow. never heard of a Mexican evolutionist. That's really cool. <laughs> and it's yeah. pretty amazing, actually. We need him on the show. Um, yeah, I think that's why, I mean, my sort of science and maybe even like spiritual beliefs clashed a lot in class, especially because of what my dad sort mm-hmm. of brought, you know, to the table. So, yeah, he's an evolutionist. Um, my mom is Catholic. I'm culturally Catholic, <laughs> uh-huh. so I will go when I need to go. Right. Um, but I really do meditate and practice other forms of spirituality Same. mostly. Yes. So he believes in some kind of extraterrestrial life, and I think I have to honor some of that. Definitely. Same. I know after they came back from Roswell, they were all like, aliens and i was like my mom is like the most catholic woman you could ever find so i was like i'm sorry what yeah she like was like more interested in the because we went to the little museum just because everybody's like oh check it out it's kind of cheesy but we went and she's like i was like mom so do you believe in aliens she's like yeah i really do she said something that the bible apparently references aliens right i mean the bible references aliens dinosaurs yeah a multitude of so i was just like but yeah yeah, well, I'm I'm glad to hear that you went, and you actually experienced a very very dry and desert side of New Mexico. There is an area that's mountainous, and we have snow, and it rains. So it's the landscape is interesting as you travel throughout the state. The people are interesting as well. Um, I was actually raised in Santa Fe, which is a small town of about 70, 75,000 people. I've already been corrected here in Texas, though, by people that are from smaller towns and say that's not really small. Yeah. So, (laughs) oh, in comparison to that, yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, what? But yeah, Yeah. definitely. So, I I grew up in Santa Fe. My parents are from Chihuahua. They're from a small town called Cuauhtémoc. And um, really, half of my family is still there. And so if you go to New Mexico, a lot of the New Mexicans, which you would have here the equivalent to like sort of Tex-Mex, the community mm-hmm. that's been around, mm-hmm. you know, the border across them, they didn't cross the border. Right. right. They really, um, and when I say they, I, I really felt a disconnect because their um, history was we came from Spanish descent. We came from conquistadores. We came from Spaniards. And while that's true, mm-hmm. that's not completely true, right? Right. Um, those that, that um, settled Santa Fe were mestizos, mm-hmm. right? They and went that's through the Mexico natives. first. Wow. And so I'd be willing to say that if many of the non-Mexicanos were to take get a DNA or a genetic test, mm-hmm. really most of their you know genes or genotype would would go back to um, being native, a Native American, not so much Spanish. Mm-hmm. But that was a form of colonization, and it was a form of of allowing them to be different from being Mexicano, right? Because right. the word Mexicano and well, Mexico early on carried a really negative stigma. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so when I, um, when my parents moved to New Mexico 40 years ago, there were very, very little Mexicanos. So I think that our immigrant history in New Mexico is much younger than that of California and that even of Texas. Interesting. And so you would find just this intense discrimination against the Mexicano community, the Mm -hmm. recently arrived Mexicano community. And so I was the only Mexicana in my class um, from elementary through uh, middle school and even high school. And that was a very isolating process, right? It, it, It almost made me feel like I can speak in Spanish, but if I whisper, right? Mm. And that was, 
I mean, I grew up in a Mexican household. Mm-hmm. If you went to my house, it was Mexicano as if we were in Cuauhtémoc, Chihuahua. Right. right. And so um, I think it was always just having to straddle those two different worlds, like who I was at home and who I had to become at school so right. I could, you know, either perform well academically or even just make friends. I think that um, really has changed now. And I've seen my brother, who is 12 years younger, mm-hmm. and he's um, now, you know, still, well, he's in Albuquerque now, but being in Santa Fe and really seeing the younger generations being able to combine sort of those two worlds um, and, and still being connected to their roots and to the language and to the traditions while still being Mexican-American in some respect, right? Now, do they describe themselves as Chicanos? No, Mm -hmm. not at all. The community that really describes or identify um, themselves as Chicanos in Nuevo Mexico are those first, third, fourth, fifth generations that feel Chicano, but because they were mostly from Spanish descent. So it's Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting dynamic. Um, in fact, we have fiestas, which happen in September, and it's a recreation of the colonization. Oh, right? wow. They have um, like a pageant like where people uh, play for these roles, the conquistadores, and for the reina of the fiesta. So they literally recreate. Yeah, they're like this, celebrating. Yeah. Wow. This painful event <clears throat> for our native communities, right? right? Just yeah, and that's something that on like. A yearly basis. I just think of. Uh, you know, your education, I remember learning first, second grade when you're learning about the all the boats and this or the ships, not boats, ships that, you know, and they celebrate that. Essentially, they're not saying, hey, you know, Christopher Columbus killed this many people. They're saying, wow, he discovered this place. And so that mm-hmm. mindset really takes over. But that whole uh, idea of having that identity at home versus that identity in a school where you're predominantly, you know, with white people or whatever however you want to say it 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 is it takes a toll on you and i think that's an identity a lot of people can relate to that we don't necessarily discuss and i think it was it was also not just being with like white people as we're saying but um being with a no mexicano community that felt spanish mm-hmm. and that i didn't truly you know they it's not that that i wasn't welcomed but i didn't have enough to really be part of it. i didn't have that specific last name that was Um, regional to New Mexico, there was no way that I could have ever um, gone for the princesa or or the reina. That's so interesting. Because I didn't have that lineage to to Spain. To the last Although we came from the same mix of people, except for their people didn't cross the border and Mm -hmm. mine did. And so I think that was a huge challenge. It wasn't until I moved to Albuquerque, which is about half a million people, where I met Chicanos and I met Mexicanos and I met Mexican-Americans. And, and you I felt more comfortable like, there? Oh, these are my people. Mm. And we're all pursuing higher education. And there's a Chicano studies program and a, you know, Africana studies program. Mm-hmm. And how, where do I belong and what do I want to study? And I think I just kind of submerged myself in, in that community and, and found a place where I belong. That's nice. So when would you say was your first or you first felt a calling to make social change? You know, that's a really great question that I get often. And I think, you know, being the translator for my parents at like nine years old, literally Mm -hmm. having to translate construction contracts for my dad. My dad's a construction worker. My mom is a housekeeper. And having to translate either work or documents or be their advocate, you know, in a clinic setting or in Mm -hmm. a hospital setting. 
I was truly just never a child. Like I, I've come to an, a realization and I'm also the oldest of three siblings. I'm the oldest of like 75 cousins wow. because my, bro- my dad has 11 brothers and sisters. <laughs> and so I think I was just never really allowed to be a child and to just play and not worry about- Yeah, you grew up really you know. fast. Yeah, and so I've gotten to a point now where I make a serious effort to just have fun. I'm like, have fun. Like, you have to. Your age, like life goes really quickly and it's important to have fun. So just kind of at a young age, um, I, I saw injustice very quickly and very near and dear to my heart, almost on a daily basis, right? And, and my parents, I think in their effort of protecting me from just the cruelties of the world, they were like, you know, just all you can do is smile and, and keep moving forward. That's mm-hmm. all you can do. Be polite, be kind, and don't give them the time of day. So those were some survival mechanisms, I think, that now I'm like, oh, crap. You like, realize I actually it. have to go back to those now, even in my work setting sometimes. Wow. And I know we discussed this a little bit, um, but how do you identify and why? I know that has a lot to do with maybe moving and finding more people that were from your community as well as going to college and such. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So as, as I mentioned, in growing up in Santa Fe, Hispanic was a very common word. Right? We'll get to that later. And um, <laughs> I that was the word that was commonly used to this day. And even third, fourth generational Mexicanos identified with with that word and I didn't really understand it I mean through my reading I understood that the census gave it to us so we can fit in a white you know square in a white box but I knew that like my round brown body didn't really fit in that box so I really Mm -hmm. never used that that um, word to be honest Um, when I went to Albuquerque and really just kind of submerged myself in the Chicano studies program and just the Chicano like Mecha and just really being in that environment I was like, wait, shit, like, am I or am I not? Am I enough, right? Because my heart was there, but I, I didn't know if I, could, if I had the privilege to use that title, honestly, right. especially Chicano with the CH. Mm-hmm. To me, that movement, that history, that pe- those people, Dolores and Cesar, really carried, I mean, we stand on shoulders of giants, and those are the giants that we right. stand on. And could I really use that word to self-identify? I almost felt like it, it was a, a disservice, right, to to describe myself as something that I... I almost felt like we weren't quite part of that movement, despite the fact that my grandpa had been a bracero worker for 34 oh, years wow. in California, right? I still have his his mica cafe, which wow. is the brown mica that was, you know, was given to them um, mm-hmm. as they were getting their resident status. And so... Then I, I think I went through a transformation where I started traveling to Mexico, Cuernavaca, Veracruz, DF, uh, and really just kind of submerging myself in like, oh, whoa, my Spanish is not that great. Like, how do I make sure I improve my Spanish? Half of my family is still in, in, you know, in Mexico. And when I go home, like, they question if I'm actually Mexican enough because I don't speak Spanish the way they do. Mm-hmm. And so I think I came to this term where just I was so focused on reading, writing, making sure that my Spanish was as strong as my English that I found my place really in being Mexican-American mm-hmm. because I am American in many ways, right? I go to Mexico and I complain about standing in line <laughs> and I complain about their infrastructure, right? But at the same time, I didn't watch I Love Lucy growing up, you know, like we did, we saw in Mi Familia. And there was very distinctly thing, distinctive things um, in my childhood that were still very Mexicano. 
as opposed to being uh, American. And what, another really important thing in my family is la charreria, right? My dad's a Mexican charro, right? I grew up around horses. That's what we mm -hmm. did. And so we would sit down and my dad would play all this like beautiful, you know, mariachi music. And we would watch all these shows. Literally, it was like he thought I was going to be a boy. So How even though funny. I was a girl, he decided to carry on the tradition. <laughs> And so I was just kind of submerged in a lot of this, and, and I ended up feeling like, you know what? I'm truly actually Mexican-American. Mm -hmm. That is a title I wear, and that is a hat I truly wear. That's, I mean, it's. I think everybody will have their own personal experiences, and that's why it's important to talk about these different identities because as one might like Mexican-American, another one won't, or another one will say, well, I, I just say I'm Mexican or whatever, and every one of them is valid, but... I think a lot of times we don't even know the differences of these titles or we just know what our parents told us. And then when your parents are immigrants, they're not going to tell you the same thing as you'll read in a history book, you know, or whatever. So it is it is very complex for sure. But that's why I wanted to have you on here because I, I enjoy listening to everybody's everybody's backgrounds. But why do you believe people are so opposed to using the term Chicano? I know you touched it a little bit, but. You know, I, I did. So I, I, I'm not opposed to it at all. In fact, um, through a lot of my early years in adulthood, that was how I identified, mm -hmm. how I self-identified. And then when I moved to Texas recently, well, first, before moving to Texas, mm -hmm. I moved to D.C. and very quickly noticed the shift from Chicano to Latino. Right. And frankly, I had not used that word. I didn't really feel like I was from Latin America. I mean, Mexico is North America, right? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily That's Latin true. America. And where is Latin America, right? So just sort of talking about boundaries and borders. And it's interesting that we're even trained to think about it that way. Like, why do I have to think about a border if, you know, even in the movie, now in the Chicano uh, movie uh, series, we saw in Mi Familia that back then there were no borders there was literally an invisible line yeah. like you know on the ground so why why who trained me to think about borders is really <laughs> that's a, how a it works question. yeah and so when i moved to dc and really um engaged with afro latinos afro mexicanos you know people that i saw phenotypically as a black person but mm -hmm. actually were latinos or were mexicanos or were cubanos or puertorriqueños and so I think that really challenged me as to what I was using and then why Latino was more acceptable and why it was more commonly used there. And actually me being comfortable with using that word. Yeah, for yourself even. For myself even, right? Because I had never used the word Latina myself. Mm -hmm. And so um, ended up going back to New Mexico, now here in Texas. And recently, so I work at the Dallas County Community College District, and one of our Chicano faculty came up to me and said, hey, you should, you should join the um, Chicanos and Higher Education Association. I thought, done and done like i'm easy there. right and then i mentioned that to another colleague who is also in my perspective either mexican-american or, or latino or chicano but you know from mexican um uh from a mexican background and i i mentioned uh this organization to him and he said oh no you don't want to go there like the uh -oh. Chicano word doesn't play well in Texas. Like, you don't really want to be affiliated with an organization that has a Chicano Whoops. name in there. <laughs> and I thought, wait, what? Like, I don't use it on a daily, but 
it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable in any way. Mm-hmm. And so I almost thought, okay, so I, I have a pending conversation with, with this individual and I'm still going to go to this meeting and to the conference um, for Chicanos in higher education. But I found it interesting, right? And now as I've been navigating Dallas and, and North Oak Cliff here, I find that, yeah, Chicano is not the word that people are okay with and not comfortable with, and I'm not entirely sure why. People throw around Hispanic a lot. Uh, and <laughs> well, I mean, there's different communities, too. And, and then uh, you, you, you talk about North Oak Cliff, even from North Oak Cliff to South Oak Cliff, or from Oak Cliff to Pleasant Grove. You know, like it, it's differences. a world of difference. And yeah. so, I, man, I'd be really interested to hear like what a lot of the um, familiarity or, or reluctance to accept or embrace the term Chicano. And in, in I think it's just a I, lack of knowing. That's what it was right, for me. The, the environment and the communities that I grew up in, it was like it was our identity. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, I, I mentioned this at the panel for when we when we did the Chicano movie night. Movie night like we were very much Chicanos mm-hmm. like, and, 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 and it had to do with a mix of all kinds of things. And so, um, it wasn't like a disrespect to those that came before us, but it was something that, yeah, we're stuck because when we're in, you know, when we're traveling down to Mexico, ellos son del norte, you know, we're not, we're not Mexican. And yeah, we're, we're here, we're not American. And so like, I wrestled it's with literally the, the scene from Selena yeah, where the dad's know? like, Hey, <laughs> And people telling you, like, how to be more American. But I had to come to a, a realization where it's like, I don't have to be American. I am American. Mm-hmm. And my identity is rooted in, in, you know, my upbringing, which is Mexican. And so all of that that dilemma, that conflict, that internal conflict that I had was, was like, put to rest with the Chicano identity. It was mm-hmm. like, Chicano's what tells you that you can do all of that you can do you can both think all of yeah. those things and it's okay because it's who you are so that's that's an interesting point and how do you feel about mexican-american i'm curious i and so that's one of those things too like you know when i've had to come to terms with the way that people will best understand it's also who you're talking to I, yeah that's and so that's what i'm saying like how do i feel that someone and and it it it's kind of it doesn't work to anyone's advantage because it does mean that I might approach a conversation or a situation with some type of prejudice, mm-hmm. but it's because I'm going on history and data that I've collected over my years based on what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. And so if I feel like someone might understand my identity better, if I say that I'm a Mexican-American, then that's my identity. But Mexican-American is was like the, the, the leading you know, identity that, right. that was embraced by my family. And then, um, you know, my mom and my dad, up until several years ago, they were Mexican. Even mm-hmm. though they were residents and they became citizens of this country, they were Mexican. It wasn't Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. It's Somos Mexicanos. Mm-hmm. And so I would be a fool to think that I would say I was American before I was Mexican. Because even though I was born here, I'm a citizen here, like, <clears throat> my upbringing taught me that I'll never be looked at as an American on a, on a you know, large-scale type of Right situation, but yeah, Mexican American is one of those things that's like, <clears throat> it's who we are. It's 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 a title. It's an identity that that I embrace and I accept, and and it kind of, you know, uh, really lets people know what I am. But I feel like Chicano felt very. Oh, I don't I don't know how to explain. You it, connect but yeah, more with was, that culture there, than there was just a little the more ownership behind that because it felt very much like 
you know, even the the terms Mexican American, they're English words, and so Chicano felt a little more identifiable because it was like, you know, <clears throat> some of my friends and family, we might not speak Spanish, but we can say Chicano, mm -hmm. and Chicano isn't necessarily an English or American word, yeah. so that kind of represented the the duality of of our identity, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it gets really complicated because when you're in this country and you're not what they want, essentially, or you're not the key image, they want you to assimilate as much as you can. Right. So you're not allowed to have any of these identities other than that assimilation. So it gets hard for us to say, oh, I am this. Oh, I am this. And I know a lot of times my mom is an, you know, was an immigrant and became a citizen. And now she's fully American and she will hold that because it's like when you want that so much and you, you know, you finally become it, you're going to own that just as much as where you came from. So it, it, it does get very complex. And I think especially here in Dallas, we need to have these conversations because we are not. And right. that's why people don't know or that's why people don't like it or that's why people are ashamed. Makes people uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I always thought about it this way when I was um, in college there's almost like three roads, right? You can either, when you come from a different country, I think there's three different sort of options in a sense. You can marginalize yourself, meaning that you only hang out with people that look like you, speak the same language, have the same interests, and we'll find that, right? Which is why we have Little Italy, mm -hmm. we have Chinatowns, we have quote unquote right. Little Mexico. Our communities, right? yeah. That's a form of marginalization, whether it's um, institutional or whether it's self marginalization and then you have sort of this middle ground of how do you how are you truly bicultural and what does it mean to be bicultural mm -hmm. can you can can anyone really achieve that status right however you define it whether it's reading writing language music art however you're trying to define that biculturalism and then there's the other end which is complete assimilation right where you just blend into your environment and you become a product of your environment yeah. and i i knew that never was true to my heart mm. um i don't feel like i belong i live I, I dream in spanish like that to me was a huge indicator that there is a whole other portion of me that is huge if you go to my family's um i guess ranch in in mexico mm -hmm. you will find my grandma my great grandma my great great grandma my great 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 grandma wow. all in the same little region that's mm -hmm. where i want to be like there's no way you can leave me in the u.s while all my grandmas are hanging out and talking history together mm -hmm. right and so i think just seeing sort of those three those three sort of roads i thought i'm i'm really shooting for that bicultural road i cannot assimilate and i cannot you know marginalize myself either i really have to find that that sweet balance whether it's through liter literature mm -hmm. traveling uh, making sure that i sit down with my grandma and capture the music that she enjoyed and that mm -hmm. brought history to her life um, while also having to navigate, right, being here and being on top of Game of Thrones and <laughs> yeah. know what's happening there, right? Yeah. So how do you just kind of balance that out on a daily basis? Definitely. No, it gets very, I mean, I don't know what else to say besides complex because even it really wasn't until college for me that I even really understood the different uh, connotations behind Chicano 
Because for me, it was always like, oh, you don't want to be that. That's too American or too white or too whatever. And it's like, nah, I don't. It doesn't have to be that. And when I really learned some of the history, I was like, this is everything I am. This is everything I want to be. This is everything I want for my people. It's to progress. So why not? Why can't I own not own it, but claim this title for myself? I identified it with more than anything else I had learned about or anything I didn't learn about and just assumed I was or the Hispanic term I was given and had to just go with it because that's what they called me. Now, I, I can I can tell you something that I find specific to Texas. I'm as progressive and as liberal as you can come. Mm-hmm. And coming here and meeting many Latinos who are actually conservative but define and identify as a Latino, it really troubles me. Mm -hmm. And so that is where here I feel that the Chicano space speaks to my political and social values. That is truly my niche here because Latino in Texas, there's a whole lot of... We unfortunately have Ted Cruz. (laughs) Yes. No, yeah, you're very... And I think that's why here perhaps the Chicano... The Chicano sort of family or the Chicano word or identity really just, it's almost like a safe place, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm like, yeah, I could see how I fit more within that identity here because I'm not the other at all, right? Uh Here, a Democrat, and I'm not going to be partisan trying not to be here, but Mm -hmm. a Democrat here can be very conservative. And that's not my definition of being a Democrat by any means. Yeah, I I won't even get into my political anything because right now I'm like the whole system is bad anyways. But that is very <laughs> true um, that it I guess it's Texas because that's where you could really tell us the difference between New Mexico and Texas is that Texas is still very strongly conservative. So it doesn't matter if we're all here and we're building their roads and doing everything for them. Like I said earlier, it's a slave they don't state. exactly. That they don't care. They don't care. And, and they don't even teach us our history here. Like I said, I didn't know any of these things until I went in like actually like enrolled for these courses. I would have never learned. Yeah. They're not going to teach even us just in Dallas. There was so much stuff that I had to learn because of the relationships that I I made with like being an, a young activist in North Texas. Mm-hmm. I never learned. I never learned about like Cement City. The Dallas Mexican American Historical League did a huge favor in, in educating me and our generation. But it's like I didn't know about any. I didn't know about Santos Rodriguez. I didn't know about any of that stuff in school or through any of my teachers or through anything here in Dallas. And that's a history of of our people that mm-hmm. is so crucial that right. was left out of of, of like. I, I don't understand how I how, how I encountered like the the resources that I did and through all of the experiences that I had, which was so many mm-hmm. and not one time did did any of that come like approach me in any right. way by the people that were there to help guide me or help right. educate me or whatever. And so and I know I've told you briefly, <clears throat> like whenever because I was really into history, I still am. But I would grasp for any kind of Mexican person I would find in that history book. Just anybody. I think there was someone named Jovita Idar that was a big Texas figure back in the day. But we don't. I mean, she was, of course, a corner of the book, three lines. And I grasped onto that. And so it's just like it's 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 very difficult, you know, when you're hearing all these stuff about our people. But like we can't even have a proper identity 
because then it's like when we're trying to unite, we have so many differences, right? We have these conservative Democrats and or just in Dallas in general, there's I think someone mentioned the other day, it's very elitist. I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but I was like, it is. It truly is. Uh, shamefully so, but it is. And I think we have to even address that in order to say, hey, let's actually make some progress for this town because, you know, we helped build it. So. And this speaks to how many educators do we have of color, right? Oh, gosh. How many educators? Yeah. And really, the process of identity development, that is how crucial it is. Mm-hmm. It dictates the rest of your life. It dictates your opinions on Absolutely. how you will educate, whether it's in a classroom formal setting or your family. If you become a legislator, it dictates the way you legislate. Mm-hmm. And so to me, having conversations about identity development and the spectrum of it is critical. How, why are we not having these conversations more often? Right. Because it it gives us our values, our core values. And those core values drive decisions, you know, that are really important on either creating equity or creating or providing, um, you know, allowing people to come to the table. Right. So I can go on and on and on (laughs) about that. Um, I just think it's so important that we we do that early on. To me, it's part of early childhood development. It has to happen early, early on. It definitely should be. Uh, what have been some of the most impactful moments in your work regarding Latinidad and underserved communities? Yikes. So <laughs> being in D.C., um, I worked for, for Congressman Lujan from New Mexico, and I clearly remember going to, I was the Congressional Hispanic Caucus um, liaison, and so being sent to secure communities um, where it was meetings about the program Secure Communities. And it was, you know, being the only Latina and most likely only woman mm-hmm. at the table, hearing about these really just high-level conversations around expansion of programs where, you know, either police officers were allowed to carry on federal law just as they are being now right history i guess repeats itself Mm -hmm. but it it was challenging it it was challenging and also an honor to make sure that well let me backtrack it was challenging and a huge weight to have to be the voice for your community and i think that happens too often because we don't have enough people of color in those conversations Mm -hmm. where it's the pressure falls all on one person and again Mm -hmm. if that person hasn't gone through a healthy identity development then oh dear yeah they are yeah which gets difficult for millions Uh. and millions of people because then even if you have those people there if they don't know better then why does it matter because they're still essentially you know assimilated to the part of it so it does it does get difficult for sure um so i know i just brief you briefly asked you about some of the most impactful moments is there any other things that occurred that you felt like wow this story really got to me or something i think it it continues i mean either being on capitol hill or being at the aflcao the largest federation of labor unions and really seeing that the labor movement really needed to embrace their latino workers Mm -hmm. right 
This is why we have Workers' Defense Project in Austin having to organize immigrant yeah. workers on the side. Why? Because we're not giving bargaining options to undocumented immigrant workers. How and why is the labor movement leaving out undocumented or immigrant workers? Wow. And so I think that conversation was everywhere across mm -hmm. the, the social justice table all the time. Is there true um, inclusive conversations of you know, everyone as an immigrant. And I'm not just speaking to Mexicano immigrants, mm -hmm. right? I'm talking about ta the taxi workers, for example, the, the Muslim taxi workers who are mostly undocumented immigrants in New York that also had to organize on the side, right? Yeah. And create their own network of, of uh, workers that are organizing and bargaining for their own rights. So I think it was always a conversation of, okay, wait, guys, did anybody think about this? Mm -hmm. um, and, and just having that pressure, I think, throughout your life just becomes part of your reality now. So right. now in my current setting is talking about, yeah, community colleges, we serve students of color. Mm -hmm. That is our number one student base, right? And how are we ensuring that they're getting the information, that their parents are feeling comfortable and safe, especially now with new laws, Gosh. like being able to carry a gun uh, on campus? Yes, yeah. Like, how are we okay with having a conversation with our families and saying, hey, everything's going to be okay. Like, mm -hmm. you, you need to support your daughter or your son and pursuing higher education they need a higher degree right by 2030 60 percent of the jobs will be only hiring folks that have post-secondary training whether it's in a trade job or wow. it's in a you know, know a, a specific academic field but that's key and so just building it's it's that it's like being a vocero mm -hmm. eres un vocero de información todo el tiempo y es mm -hmm. una responsabilidad muy grande and I think that's why I have to have fun every now and then. Yeah, it's definitely. Serious, yeah, serious for sure. I'm like, whew. I thought I had to stress out. But <laughs> no, we appreciate everything you're doing, though, because those are things you don't think about. We talk about lots of things, but I can't say a lot of those things have come up right away. Of course, like immigration in general. And, you know, I think we think of things on a broader scale. But I, I know a lot of times here in Texas, when we think of immigrants, we just think of Mexicanos and it's like, no, or just like Latinidad in general, we think of Mexicanos and it's like, there is such a wide spectrum that we don't realize maybe until you go to, you know, DC or wherever and say, oh my gosh, we're complex people. We're not just all, um, you know, whatever your stereotype might lead you to. But as we're getting closer to wrapping up, I wanted you to tell us about some of the history of the African presence in Mexico, past and present. Maybe give us a little history lesson just because we don't really know unless we're taught. Yeah, so I am definitely not the subject matter expert in that at all, but I took a, a really um, wonderful trip and course through the Chicano Studies and Africana Studies program at UNM, University of New Mexico, where we went out to Veracruz and um, it was a really, it was a transformative really trip for me it was very profound i had grown up you know going crossing the border and going to chihuahua and chihuahua in the northern part of, of mexico mostly because of nafta is really americanized mm -hmm. right and so i that was my definition of mexico and this was the opportunity to really see other parts of mexico and explore other sides of of the history and so uh through one of our excellent professors there dr finney coleman who had married an, an Afro-Mexicana from Veracruz, 
they had put together a trip and we went down to Veracruz, spent a month there and traveled through Afro-Mestizo towns. Um, mm -hmm. One of them was Yanga. And so Yanga was named after an African slave who actually was able to negotiate for the freedom of slaves in that tiny town. So Yanga was the wow. first town really in North America to abolish slavery long before that um, is the so United crazy States. and so being able to go to these small towns which you know at the moment unfortunately are mostly being led and ran by women and children because men have left men have left these tiny towns that are struck by poverty have immigrated most likely to the north wow. of the united states mm -hmm. and so you go to these towns and it's mostly women and children who are Afro mestizos, right? Mm -hmm. And who have all the phenotypes of being African and the history and the influence and in the in, in the music and the cuisine. And so between my African American professor, my black professor from Florida, mm -hmm. and my Afro Mexicana prof professor who, you know, are married, we were able to really just explore how the two worlds were um, actually one, right? Mm -hmm. Especially now, and I think it this speaks to me now when we talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. right? Where are we? Are we and are we there? Are we present? Um, equally, when we're doing immigrant rights, you know, um, demonstrations, do we feel that our black brothers and sisters are truly there supporting the movement? So, I, I think that we are we are really more um, we're closer than we really believe um, to be in many ways. And when you go to that those parts of Mexico and you explore the, those communities, you realize that oh actually like our food our music a lot of our words come from the exact same roots mm -hmm. i think one of the most compelling things was going to the museo nacional de antropología in la ciudad de mexico and seeing the olmec heads right which are the oldest within um, mexican history i mean older than the, than the aztec history in many ways and and seeing these heads um display black and african mm -hmm. phenotypes was huge right like this th there was esclavos and uh -huh. slaves in mexico that were part of our very indigenous background right and right. we often just think about the mayan or the aztec so i think it was just an eye-opening experience um i'm lighter skinned as you can see and mm -hmm. i understand the privilege that comes with that as well and so being able to to um, be with mexicanos that had had a very different experience I love my Mexico, but it is a very classist, racist oh, absolutely. country. And so there is no sense of exploring your identity, your race, um, your ethnicity. It's all about nationalism. You're Mexicano or not. That's the way it functions in Mexico. And so as we were you know, exploring um, Veracruz and Tamiagua and, and some of these smaller towns like Yanga, I remember uh, we went into these elementary schools and we were taking roscas because it was a, during El Dia de los Reyes mm -hmm. and we were taking roscas to like the elementary school kids and playing soccer with them and just really spending some time with the communities. And I had asked for some coffee. Well, they had coffee, so I'd asked for a small cup of coffee and some of the kids ran up to me right as I was planning to take that first sip and said, no, no, no te lo tomes. Si te lo tomas, te pones como nosotros. And so I sad. thought, wait, como nosotros. And so he pointed to the color of his skin. Mm. And I thought, oh my goodness, like he's wow. eight. When and That's how was it allowed for him to think that his color of his skin was bad, was bad right? And so b being in that, um, again, with Mexicanos, right? And it really challenged my definition of Mexico. It really challenged the <coughs> traditions of Mexico that I had grown up with. Um, so really transformative experience. That trip was 
many years ago they still do it that's good and now they've expanded the trip to um really it's an opportunity for anyone from across the united states before it was just unm students okay now i might need to jump on board know, like let's go <laughs> and they they actually the just came back um dr Franny coleman and and doris cariaga who dr cariaga as well and so they still take the trip and she's from tamiawa and so mm. she really just allows people into her home into her wow community, that's amazing um, going out and doing some fishing and really exploring um you know where afro-mexicanos have been yeah. and how come as you said we're not part of the the history books right at all. and it's difficult because when you're here you know we think oh america's so racist so this so that mexico's not that much different they're probably worse they just recently started taking you know these afro-indigenous people they're on the census, right? Like maybe a couple years ago, they just started recognizing them. Like how horrible is that? Does that not exemplify exactly what we're saying? That Absolutely. this is this nationalistic place. We love Mexico, querido, you know. But real talk, you know, we're they're not much better. They also, you know, deport a lot of other Latin American people as well. Exactly so it's like you have Probably. to keep it real. Like Absolutely. these places are all guilty of this. And that's why we question them. That's why we don't you know, we love them because they're a part of us. But we often I have to say, hey, check yourself, too, because you're not. You're not being as great as you say you are, basically. And I think it sort of to reference your NFL conversation earlier, mm -hmm. when you said that you can still love the Cowboys but question the NFL. Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. We can yeah. still love being American but question. Oh, America. absolutely. That is what we need to be doing on a on a you know constant basis. And so. For me, the Mexican-American side of me says, yes, I love Mexico, but I'm going to question if one of my aunts or uncles makes a racist comment, Ooh. right? If they it's say, tough, but you got to do it. Yeah, and, and things like, trabajé como negro. What, uh, what does that Jesus. mean? And how is that appropriate? Yeah, it's right? not and at so all. And so making sure you call people you out. You do need to call people out. If not, it's going to keep happening. Love, but calling people out. For those do it. Call people so. out 2017, especially your anti-black uh, Latino family. Ooh because it's it's very ugly honestly and i i get really frustrated because i've had conversations with my family and i'm like oh my gosh and then here in dallas especially when black and brown people are living right next to each other and a lot of times it gets super complicated because uh the cultures kind of combine so then they think you know a lot of people in dallas say the n-word and stuff like that and i'm just like oh and i can't say i never said it when i was young and stupid but as we grow older, we have to better ourselves because when these people are being attacked still after they helped us get our rights, like, come on, step it up. We have to walk hand in hand with them and fight with them, not encourage this this shitty behavior, basically, because any of those phrases are are nothing short of just shitty. And really, an attack on one is an attack on all. We're all yes. being attacked. Right. And so I, I always challenge people when, when I hear like, you know, these or they or us and them, it's not the case. Mm -hmm. You know, people of color right now in general are being attacked and we need right. to discuss some of our issues and, and really be comfortable with showing up and being an advocate for each other's issues because right. at the end of the day, that's what they're doing, right? Yeah. If, we're, if we're separated and fighting each other, it's a nice way to keep us distracted from right. everything else that's going yeah. on. 
And we definitely need to also let them talk. You know, I think a lot of times we're like, we're both fighting in this. And then it's like, well, we still have to understand these different, you know, spaces as well. So thank you so much for being here. I was going to, I have a lot more I could talk to you about, but I think we've, we've taken up a lot of your time as well. Uh, one of the last questions before we go. Okay, so I guess I'll, I'll wrap it up with the last two questions. Yes. Dang it. <laughs> so I, I wanted to briefly ask you, what are your biggest hopes for Latinx in the U.S. for in the future? Like, just in general, oh, okay, what do you so hope? I, I, I was expecting the second question. No, you're good. You're good. That's the first one. Sorry. You know, my biggest hopes for Latinx. Well, first of all, um, I think when 50% of our transgender community attempts to commit suicide at wow. least once in their lifetime, that is a big deal. To mm -hmm. me. And the fact that we're now using Latinx because we want to be, uh, you know, all gender inclusive, neutral, yeah. inclusive. I think we need to practice what we preach. Definitely. And how are we truly um, making sure that we're either um, building the relationships? And I, I'm not saying like just the talking points, but I'm saying genuinely sitting down with someone and asking the difficult questions. What is it like to be a Latino and Muslim? Mm -hmm. What is it like to be a Latino and LGBTQIA? Whatever right. you want to define. So really, you know, where are we intentional? Or do we just get up every day on a daily basis and, you know, go about our day? Um, so I think for me, especially serving students, uh, predominantly students of color, that's a real question. How are we serving them? How are we making sure that we Oof. are... <laughs> providing wraparound services mental health issues right if you have depression yes. and anxiety because you can't come <laughs> out and speak who you are yeah. you're not going to succeed academically right. period right and so i do have to give us a quick sh shout out um through our legislative team who worked really hard in austin now Really, as you all know, not that many bills passed. I think out of like 6,000 bills that were, you know. <laughs> Thanks, um, Greg Abbott. Yeah that, yeah, that were filed. I think it was like 1,000 or so that actually made it Gosh. through. One of those few bills that actually made it through um, allows Dallas County Community College District to offer baccalaureate degrees. Wow. Oh, yeah, I did see. Yes. Nursing, That's awesome. I didn't hear about that. Childhood education. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. That's so we can dope. now educate future <clears throat> educators and they can get nice. a bachelor's through us. They can get a bachelor's in nursing. It's a really big deal. I might need to talk to you about that later. Cost. That is amazing. That's super dope, yeah. So for us now, it's making sure that our students have all the wraparound services, that we're serving our community, that if they need childcare, transportation, or they have housing insecurity or food insecurity, that those needs are being met so they can then be successful academically because we are doing everything that we can about it. Now, wow. if you have Pell, if you have access to any kind of uh, financial aid, you will be covered. And if you don't, we are raising funds to make sure you can go to community wow. college virtually at a zero cost. That's I think amazing. It is a huge deal. I'm going to start crying. You right should like, be I proud. Went to, I went to Mountain View uh, and I'm just like, dang, that's so yes. awesome. Like all the yes. stuff that they've done. And if you like, went to Mountain View, because especially because we're in the neighborhood, go back, donate, you know, give. Yeah, give five, back to what helped bucks, you for sure. It is because uh. we have so many students in need and that, that money comes a long way. And we Very have cool. to engage our alumni that you know we're able to get their prereqs there at a low cost and now moved on to four-year institutions and are working professionals wow. so just putting it out there yeah there's um, a lot of people we know yeah, that are, gee, our coordinator here at the cultural center is a product of mountain view yeah, yeah. And we're doing a couple classes there too and north lake 
Very cool. 23% of our students are swirl students, meaning that they take a class at each of the campuses. Oh, how mm -hmm. funny. So that sounds cute. <laughs> I wish I was a swirl. <laughs> I'm a dumb UNT person. No, that's awesome, though. I'm really excited oh, about man. that. I want to spread the word with that. Maybe yes. we can combine worlds and like put on something to yeah, make to get these words. This so, word up. That's like literally when you were talking about her bio, I was like, man, we're going to talk about some really cool stuff. But even the things that you're doing, the things that you're saying, the things that you have done, I'm like... When uh, what what office are you running for, Brenda? Because we got we're ready, we're, we're voting. We got yeah, Brenda Even though Loya, you're from New Mexico, Brenda, we're all right we're all for you. That's super dope, though. That's you know, really it's incredible. That you say that. I think um, for women, women have to be asked seven times oh. before they decide to run for office. Jesus. And if you're a woman of color, oh god, that is double of or course. three times the number that you have to be asked before you actually consider it. So. It's, it's How many have you been thought. asked though? <laughs> like, what number are we on? Never been asked. Oh well, so I'm, I'm we're ask, number one. I'm gonna ask thirteen more times. And and we hope next year that you're running. Um, so your favorite part about Dallas as we're closing off? So far. Okay. So far, so far, because there's a lot to learn. So. Can I just tell you that I love going to El Bulbo? <laughs> oh, my nice. God. Nice. Okay. Cool. Go for it. Um, I, you know, I, I get, um, like, the sort of Chicano music, but in my soul, like, Norteño music, oh, there's yes. a saxophone and a Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, we have an accordion Sumele, here. We do. We're about to pull out the accordion <laughs> for you. So I love these little spots that have live music, and I'm constantly like, where is the live music? Like, Jenny and the Mexicats was uh -huh. in Bellum recently. I was there, you know. Oh, they I were at Taco Libre, and I was there. I'm always trying to just find the Latino music, whether it's, you know, the newer um, music or just the traditional. I will go to OK Corral if necessary. Oh, my God. I yeah. do love you mean OK yeah. Corral? Yeah. So that is right. Yeah. So I, I have found a few different spots, um, but if you guys have any recommendations. We have all the recommendations, uh, yeah. actually. My, one of my yeah. favorites, they favorite? tore it down, but it, it was on Knox Henderson, and they always had a trio, and they would always do corridos. Like, dude would just roll up. One would have a mic, one would have the, uh, the accordion, Bruh. and then the other dude would just have, like, a cowbell or something. That's it. That's all it and, takes. And that's all it was, and I was like, it was like the most perfect thing because the the, the setup was real simple, simple bien sencillo pero oh man like it it, it hit the spot it, yeah. Yeah. perfect but there's yeah. a lot there's places like that in dallas that's really cool that you said that though but yeah mm. there's there is there are a lot of spots well i think we should wrap up now even though i actually i want to bring this up because she complimented us very genuinely and i really appreciated it and she also read us a little bit at the chicano movie night when you were like saying Dallas, you know, because she, I think you had dinner in Bishop Arts and then you came over here and you were like, what? Do you know what I'm hinting at? Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> I said I actually live four blocks uh, away in that area. And so my partner is from Dallas. He was born and raised in Oak Cliff, um, went to Skyline, and then hey. ended up going to Dallas County Community College District. Well, there you go. LMU, then went to um, UT and went to law school in Houston later. So he's a, he's a big OC guy. And um, or Oak Cliff guy. Mm -hmm. So when I moved, um, we definitely decided that we wanted to be, you know, in Oak Cliff, like a few blocks literally from where his grandma was and where he was raised. And so I, I love Oak Cliff because I knew that one, it was um, Democrat. I just mm. <laughs> 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 gotta make sure you're safe. And um, 
too. <laughs> like I like being. I love to come home and still feel like I'm at home, right? And that I can kind of remove all the hats that I'm having mm-hmm. to wear and just be home. And and so I Bishop Arts is such an interesting phenomenon to me. Um, I can't. <laughs> Same. I don't really <laughs> quite get it. It's like two blocks of a lot of just kind of foreigners that dress up very interestingly to come out. It, uh, it almost reminds me of the Texans that go to Santa Fe thinking that they're oh my gosh. cowboys and Indians. What? And and they dress in these, like, intense, like, ju- I mean, of course I'm wearing my turquoise, but no, they're wearing, like, turquoise and, like, feathers and, like, fur and hats, and they think that in Santa Fe, like, they're going to find a, a cowboy and an Indian chasing each other. And so <laughs> I see a little bit of that here mm. in, in Bishop, and I hate to say it because I love it. Um, I love I love my neighborhood, but I'm concerned, and mm-hmm. I'm concerned that what's happening is that we're just pushing our locals out, and that the paleteria that was on, you know, Davis closed. And I love Encanto Pops, like shout out to them, but I'm also concerned that we're just pushing people pushing out. Them out. And yes, en- enjoy those pies, but come further out, and also make sure that you you know experience a little bit of the rest of Eau Claire. Amen. Amen yes. to all of that. I'm True. new, so maybe visit with me in a year and I'll have other... I mean, that's why I said yeah. she read us, because yeah. that's really what's happening. Yeah. And it's... it's. I mean, you're not from here, but it's not hard to tell. Um, but thank you so much for being here and for <coughs> all the work you do. I touched on a few of these topics in past episodes, but you were the perfect introduction into understanding the complexities of identity as well as some of the things we weren't taught in school as underrepresented communities. Is there anything you want to say or share with our De Colores radio listeners that you might have not already shared? And, you know, again, we, um, I think I'm so proud of the work that that we've been doing as a community college. And I'm so eager that we can offer now four-year degrees um, to so many of our students. And knowing that we still have an underrepresentation of Latino, Chicano students in higher ed, I would love to use this platform in the future just to talk about the different opportunities that we have. Because again, by 2030, 60% of our community needs some kind of formal Uh training so they can find a good job. And if we are talking about um, moving the needle and eradicating poverty and really, you know, creating some equity on on the opportunity front, I think it has to start with education. It it did it for me, so it's gonna do it for others. Yeah. Jeez, I have a hard time believing that no one's asked you to run for political office before. <laughs> well, you're the first one. Won't be the last. You no, for real, because that the kind of. You're the first one that uh, introduced me to that Mexican candy. Isn't it amazing? Belt. Oh, yeah. Picosita belts. Belt, yeah. Shout out to them. We yeah. eat them all the time. They're our favorite. Shout out to Alamo Candy, Sananto, in the building. <laughs> they literally <laughs> made the best candy I've ever yeah. had. We eat them every episode. And where can they follow you and your work? Great question. So I'm on Twitter. Um, it's Brenda, L-I-L-O-Y-A. So that's my Twitter. And you can email me with any questions related to any of our programs. I do focus on the healthcare programs, but that is Brenda Loya at dcccd.edu. Awesome. Perfect. I hope I hope people hit you up because you have a lot to offer. And oh, we're very yeah. grateful. For I, I'd be surprised if people didn't hit you up. And then you're right. Like, we're going to take you up on the offer to, in the future, make sure that we expand that platform because it falls in line with what we're trying to do. But, uh, you know, we had alluded to, to what De Colores represents, and it's so much bigger than than ourselves. It's so oh, much absolutely. bigger than, than what our personal interests, what our personal ambitions are. 
Um, so for the community at large, uh, we we will definitely cross paths again. We'll collaborate Woo. and we'll make sure that the and we'll vote that, for you. Nah. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll vote for you. Yeah, so we can't wait to vote for you. Yes, but thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Gracias. Thank you. Yay! Thanks again to Brenda for joining us today. Your passion and work as a proud Mexican-American is vital to our existence in the United States. So thank you for being with us and sharing some of your knowledge with us. We're wishing you the best, and we hope to continue working with you in the future. Now it is time for Self-Care Corner. There it is. I lost there it at it the end. My brandy right. got lost right. in there. We'll auto tune it. We'll I had a I had a self care corner planned, but Rafa has been sick. So do we need to discuss things we've discussed already, or should I go with what I had? Um, let's just brief. Let's go with let's go with what you had. It sounds like you briefly want to discuss your just, issues. Uh, yeah, go, real brief. I felt like I I can't shake the cold. But is it like a cold like? You know for sure it's a cold? Yeah, like I went to the doctor twice. And they were like, you got a cold. Yeah, it's going to run its course. It does. Let it run. I did, but then I thought I was doing what I was supposed to, and then it felt like it was coming back. What have back. you done? Um, I took medicine. What kind? Um, Molly Percocet? No, Molly Percocet, <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> Dayquil, NyQuil. Um, I did a bunch of water. I did soups. You did water, bruh? Water. Water. <laughs> water. And then? Water. Um, yeah, and, and, um, I bought, like, some tangerines. Wow. I bought some grapefruits, um, doing crackers, uh, Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a square? Una nah, square no, or no, Esprit? No, 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 Bruh, we need <laughs> to make that something. We're copyright right now. We need to make, like, a Latino sports thing. Yeah. And that's, okay, go yeah. on, sorry. And I tried to get as much sleep as I could, and I, I did. I even took a day off of work. No, you didn't. I, I did. I don't believe it. I did. I did. We can ask G or Tisha here at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. And when you were at home, were you actually relaxing? Um, I designed, I did two flyers. Okay, that's not relaxing. So, but it only took me like maybe a 12 couple hours. hours. <laughs> <laughs> the whole no, work day. But I, I mean, I, I did re I did get more rest than I normally would have, so I've been resting, but... This I has did. just become like a sad <sighs> therapy session. I know. This is all it is. Um, But you're just taking medicine and yeah, well, lots I, of fluids. Lots of fluids. I was doing like little lozenges, but yeah, like, and then today, especially, I you know, I have a really bad headache. Do you have an oil, do you have a diffuser? I do not. I think you should try it. I think I probably mentioned it before, but like... I don't vape, though. Ew. Don't even <laughs> get me started on vapors. <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, diffusers. Like, for real, like, you can ask Pat. I have some of the worst allergies, but ever since I got my diffuser and I started using peppermint <clears throat> oil... Yeah. I'm not saying it's allergies, but a lot of times, I don't know, to it me... It could be triggered by it. It does trigger a lot of these yeah. other things. Um, you should try it. Okay. Because if it's a lot of like mucus buildup is yes. what it sounds like. Because you That's lost your voice and that happened to me a lot yeah. in the past. But like since I started using this and taking daily allergy pills, <coughs> it's been a lot better. So 
I think you should try. I don't know. I really am that natural person. Sometimes natural stuff doesn't work. I get it. Yeah. But when like <clears throat> clearly the doctor stuff isn't working, like there there have to be other routes. Because <coughs> he's literally choking right now as we're speaking, <laughs> and <laughs> we're like trying we're to cure need him. To disinfect the mics. Um, <clears throat> but you should, if you have a lot of mucus and stuff build up, you shouldn't um, make sure you're not doing any like creams or dairies or really fatty products because greasy and all that is basically just building up uh, the. Whatever mucus yeah. built up you have. I haven't had any za. Wow, that's a record. Yeah. Pete's, that's what he's talking about in case you think he's Everybody being too hip. Everybody knows that I mean. Do you want to borrow my neti pot? Neti pots only work for like five minutes in my opinion, but is it a what lot of like you have a lot of mucus built up in your nose right as now, well? Yeah. Like you got to go. Helps. Yeah. I like yeah. doing it when I couldn't sleep. But Are you taking allergy pills or no? I I do the spray, nasal spray, every day. And it doesn't help that much, right? It doesn't, not right now. Yeah, it never helped me that much either. That's what I'm saying. I think it's like allergies and you're getting worse because you're not yeah. covering the right things. It's what yeah. it sounds like to me. I'm no doctor, but I am my own, my own curer. Yeah. So hopefully you get better soon. Hopefully, yeah. If not, I don't, we're just going to have to give up on you, I guess. See you next episode. <laughs> oh, no, but my self-care corner. I Actually, this episode's gone too long, so we'll save it for next time. Cool. Okay, we'll do that. Okay. God bless. <laughs> and we're on to our brown business of the week. Woo. Yippee. I'm looking for the address. Um, but Recipe Oak Cliff, it's a juice bar. Uh, it's, uh, here it is. 1831 South Ewing Ewing. I hate Avenue. that I think Ewing. it was a person's name, right? Ewing Avenue. Patrick Ewing. 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 1831 South Ewing Avenue. You can find them online at recipeoc.com or go to Facebook, look up Recipe Oak Cliff. But they have uh, plant-based food and drinks, smoothies. I always rave about the jackfruit pulled pork sandwich. He does. I've heard about because this it's, so many it's times. Because it's so good and I've had it with like these jicama fries that they do. Bruh, they do that like sounds this, amazing. They do this amazing vegan taco salad. Like, and you you have to understand like I'm not big on a lot of the vegan cuisine because I'm... You like pro- meat. Ding. You know, I, I love meat. Mm-hmm. Ding. Um, <laughs> same. No, well... <laughs> Ding ding That's ding dong No, but like um I didn't eat meat for about a year and a half. What? At one point. Yeah, almost Are two years. Are you for real? Yeah, it was crazy. I've never mentioned this before. Yeah, no. My mom was really accommodating too. Aww. It's crazy. It was super awesome. But then I I I'm going off on a different tangent. I yes. realized like how much of the food that my mom made, like Mexican food, like was already like vegetarian. Can be, yeah. And, yeah. And I was like amazed. And I was like, hey, this is easier than I thought. But um <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Yeah, thank you, Mom. <laughs> I'm not vegetarian any longer, obviously. But um I will choose recipe Oak Cliff food over, you know, like a, a steak or a, a what about over spiral. A turkey sandwich. Over spiral for show. Zang. Yeah, like I for need real. to try recipe. Yeah, you need to go. They have really I mean juices, smoothies, um, they make and really it's a black-owned business, yes, black so owned business. support that. Yeah, support it. Recipe Oak Cliff. They have all kinds of stuff. Um, I remember she made some great Agua de Jamaica once. Mm. Mm, it was on point. I really I'm have been saying I'm going to go, and I just haven't gone. You need to. They have, I mean, it, it, it's great. So Recipe Oak Cliff, 1831 South Ewing Avenue. Find them online. Find them on Facebook. Find them. Follow them. And they're them. open Monday Feast through Friday. Sunday? 
No, I believe it's, I want to say Wednesday through Sunday. Okay. I'm not 100% They've sure. They've been getting a lot of coverage recently, too, because they, they have. And they're doing, one of a I mean, kind. Yeah, so. definitely. So check them out. Check them out. Which I should say thank you to Recipe O'Cliff as well for actually donating a raffle prize to our Chicano movie night. That's right. Yippee! So thank you to Recipe for that, as well as Coco Andre for also donating a gift card to their yummy, delicious chocolate shop that have, has also been a brown business of the week. Yeah. But Chicano movie night recap. A quick recap as we wrap up the show. I think it went pretty well. Yeah. I really, probably my favorite part was like your brother's reaction after mm. the film. Yeah. Um, which was exactly the whole point of starting this series is that yeah. a lot of people were like, oh, I've seen it. And mm -hmm. it's like, it doesn't matter if you've seen it. Watching it again in 2017 and realizing maybe how far we have not come, yeah. but also all the positive things that have, you know, occurred since 1995, I believe it was, when it came out. Um, it's really nice to even have a small crowd say, hey, you know, yeah. thank you for doing this. This meant something. I'm Like, your brother was very, like, looking forward to yeah, the future. And I was sure. like, wow, I haven't heard him, you know, get so excited <clears throat> about something. So it was really nice to see that. But all the vendors were really awesome. All the stuff they were selling was amazing. I was sad because I didn't get to purchase things like I wanted to. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was really cool. I had a lot of fun. Had a blast. It was great. It was great to see so many people swing by, like, even just to say hi. I know mm -hmm. a lot of them couldn't stay for the film. It meant a but, lot. But, um, yeah, a lot of people came by, swung through. Shout out to my godson and Izamar, his wife Izamar. Because Pleasant Grove was definitely in the building. Um, hey, so hey, big hey. shout out to my PG family. Oh, Represent. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways, we do plan on doing this in the future. We will let you all know whenever we decide to do this we <laughs> this fly always distracts <laughs> me the flies are always here for our filming they just want to be a part our recording sorry yeah. anyways you got a movie night was great thank you to <coughs> all our volunteers my whole family was in the kitchen helping and that meant a lot to me and they just showed up and everybody came out to support us and that was really cool so thank you we are also now selling t-shirts we yes. officially have some damn merch so get Yippee. them before they're gone yeah because they're going they are and i will quickly remind you all about gray space the upcoming third show of ours art show yeah. Remind we've gotten you to some submit. emails already, so shout out yes. to uh, shout out to all the artists that sent us emails. Yes, and we've already gotten some so. submissions, which yeah. they're due, I believe, the second week in September. Yeah. Uh, we made it early just so that people can also have time to ship if they have to ship them. If not, we can extend the deadline from there. But it will be in early October, the next show, which is Black Lives Matter. So please, please, please submit or tell your friends to submit and get people whose art you admire to be a part of our show. Word. Now it is time for our final segment, <coughs> Who You Got with the Coco. Pat, Pat. All right. Um, I know. No, I know we haven't Ra heard of them. And I know Rafa's not going to be happy that I'm going back to books again. Here we go. Because he likes to mention that the he secret. doesn't read, apparently. The secret. Fifty Shades of Grey. Is that really? Is that Fifty really Shades of Cactus. Fifty Shades of Cactus. <laughs> I guess that could be the next. Uh uh, one. girl, we were kidding. <laughs> that is not my who you got though. Um, I actually want to talk about Gabby Rivera. I just finished reading her book, Juliet Takes a Breath. 
She's a Puerto Rican queer Latina based in New York. I just finished reading her book and it was amazing. She's also the first queer Latina to write for Marvel Comics. Wow. She's writing the America Chavez series. Hey, that's awesome. And uh, Joe Quinones is actually doing the illustrations. I'm really... No, Who's not... She? Huh? John Quinones? <laughs> what John would you do? <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. His because I love that show. His name's Joe Quinones. He's doing all Joe Quinones. Yeah. You're like saying it together, so it's not like John Quinones. So I was like, sorry. hey, ABC. Yes, they're, um, she's writing it, and it's really cool. And I, I haven't read a book that in so long that I felt like I could identify with things that she was talking about because it talks about her being in her like in college learning about being a feminist and what it's like to like try to identify as a feminist but also being a Latina so it just was really cool I loved the book highly recommend it and I'm gonna probably go to my local comic book store and get Aww. the yeah, I actually want to cool. read that one. That one I... I You're a nerd Pat looking forward to what a nerd just a little just a little <laughs> Well, Rafita, are you um, got a book to mention? Yes, actually, I do have a book. Quit um, yeah, so <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't have a book. <laughs> we should um, do a book one one day. I support. Should. No, I'm cool. I like reading. I do. <laughs> do I just, you for real? No, I do. Legit. Okay. I legit like you reading. Just like making fun of me for reading. No, it's just that the way that we had set up the premise for who you got you was come music. In, yeah, and then you come in all cool like like well. I read 15 books yeah. this summer. <laughs> I have read like two chapters, and I don't think graphic novels count as a full book. Of course, Pat would read graphic novels. Here we novels. go. Here we go. Anyway, all right. Well, on to my who I who you got who, who I, I have got, who that. I have who <laughs> I'm have <just> I. Kidding. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm gonna do a quick shout out because um, the DMC uh, the is a DJ competition, DJ battle uh-huh. that happens, and this past weekend. DJ Pearly won the first ever female winner. What? And Why so, didn't you tell yeah. me this? DJ Pearly? Yeah, so it was amazing. Yes. Um, you know, she's cool. She's based uh, out in New York. Um, Natalia Pearls. Nice. But a big shout out to her for taking the championship. So that means she is now going to London for the DMC World Championships. Wow. So she'll be competing. She'll be representing. But a big shout out. I mean, that's the first She's female from New York. But the competition was here. Is that what you said? So the the so the competition. So DMC takes DJs from all. They do regional battles everywhere, right? Okay. So they probably. I'm sure they did one in Dallas, if not Houston. I'm okay. sorry, my my knowledge no, right I now just is didn't lacking. Know about this, so but I'm yeah, so they do curious. regionals and then they do the the national championship. And she won, national. And she won the national championship. Yes. So now she's gonna go to London to represent for the DMC World Championship. That is amazing. Yeah, so a big shout out to the first female DJ awesome. winning DMC. Really yeah, dope. DJ Pearly. I want to look up her stuff. And so on the notes of DJs, I don't know. I I don't think we've done our homie and good friend on who you got, El Dusty. I know that he let Aww. us. He lets us use his. Yeah, I'm his so track. sorry. We love you. Like for real. I don't think. Like I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not. But um, it is a great understatement to say that we our fans and we respect this man because Definitely. he's always been super cool even when you know before decolores formed and um along with the fate of djs you know we brought him 
to to rock a show. He was always like super humble, super willing to work with us, ready to like he would literally just say, "Give me a date and I'll make it work and I'm there." And you know, he's he's doing amazing things now. People are flying him out to Mexico and the mm. West Coast he and to, Yeah, he played with Chulita Vinyl Club. He's doing all these amazing things and um not to mention all the music he's putting out, which is really dope, Cumbia Anthem, which kicks off the show, but you know, he recently released um uh, Canto Negro and so that got a remix and that song's super dope so he's really doing some amazing stuff it's really cool um, if anybody hasn't heard of him or hasn't heard his music please check him out he's got a long catalog of remixes and edits and original stuff that he's been doing and does he DJs so again a big shout out to the homie Dusty L Dusty DJ Ooh. Dust um, holding it down for Corpitos and uh, that's my who you got that's a good one. Good yeah. choice. Yeah. Mine is a, I'm not even sure. I'm, I want to say cupcake. I'm probably saying it wrong. Maybe I'm not. There's a capital K in there. Um, I, okay, first of all, I'm telling you, all the news happens like after we record. Yeah. So I was really annoyed because like right after Rick Ross said that super like sexist shit about how he doesn't sign women to his label because oh, yeah, he would yeah. have to have sex with them which is so shitty and sexist and misogynist and I already didn't like you but thank you for giving <laughs> me a reason to dislike you more yeah. no girl he didn't own all of me stop he just owns ew uh. he said uh. anyways <laughs> so I want to rap for I hate even having to say female rapper because they're just rappers yeah but cupcake I really hope I'm not saying it wrong I really don't I know like her music is hilarious. It's a lot of fun. It's super <clears throat> hypersexualized, like rap music, and uh, this is very expletive. So don't let your kids listen to her stuff. But it's um, it's gone viral because of what it's saying, which is like, one of her songs is called "Deep Throat" and oh. one of them is called "Vagina," and so it's just like, honestly, not just funny, but she's actually got some flow. So yeah. she performed with the. She did. I did see that where she made the whole crowd moan. (laughs) That's awesome. It's pretty funny. I think it's a lot of fun. It's fun having that ability to have be comfortable enough with your sexuality to create this music. And it's not just funny. It's like, oh, she's actually saying some stuff, which, you know, it's cool to have fun cool rap and women can hypersexualize stuff too so yeah um i'm not listening to her super heavy but she's fun and i enjoy her so that is my who you got to wrap up episode eight of the colores so thank you so so much for listening to our eighth episode of the colores radio signing off from the cultural center there's actually no flogorico dancers today I, we're usually used to filming with Flocorico dancers in the background, yeah. but not today. Again, we hope you enjoyed it and learned a little something with us. I want to give a major thank you and shout out to our friend Jason, who has been editing our episodes. They sound great, and we seriously can't express our gratitude enough. You rock. Don't forget to share the podcast and follow us on social media. We say this every time because without your support, we could not keep going. Tell everyone you love to follow us at The Colores Co. If you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow me at Eva Arreguin, Rafa at Exile, and Pat at Pat.Arreguin on Instagram. She stresses me out. Her names just stress me out. 
I told much. you I can't change. I know, but <laughs> ugh, anyways, we promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content and more importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Contact us on social media or email us at decolorescollective at gmail.com. We love hearing from you all. Thank you so much again for listening and join us again next time for Decolores Radio. De- De- Decolores Radio.